0: Hey, I'm Miles, And I'm Alex. And we like football. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is episode two of season two. And today we're we'll going to be talking about some uh, college football a little bit, but we're mostly going to be talking about NFL news. I'm going to get right straight into our first topic, and that's talking about the New York Giants. Our main question with this topic is, is just this just a giant overachievement by this Giants organization? Or are the Giants the real deal and can actually compete for this NFC East? Right now, the Giants are 4-1, and their most recent victory was over Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in London. It was a decisive 27-22 victory with a late deflection from second-year safety, Xavier McKinney, to stop the Packers from converting on a fourth down. This Giants team has been an absolute laughingstock of the NFL for the past five seasons. and As a Giants fan, I know, you know, I know the best that everybody loves to make fun of us. No matter what meme page it's on, everybody loves to pick on the Giants. And that's been the case ever since 2017. But they've proven their legitimacy after this win against the Packers. What do you think about it, this, Alex?
1: Uh I think the Giants have found their offensive identity. That uh, Being a Packers fan and watching that game, you could really see, despite you know Daniel Jones being injured, uh, and he wasn't really that explosive in the run game, he still put his body on the line, and he still, you know, converted those third downs. I know his, his rushing yard stats won't jump out at you, but combine that with arguably the best rushing game uh, and the best running back, uh, Saquon Barkley, I think the Gi- Giants found their, found their way to get around their lack of talent at the wide receiver and tight end position, and they just started... Running the ball all over. And I think it works really well with a much improved offensive line. That offensive line, despite being much improved, has still got a lot of flaws. But I think they're kind of three down football where it's like, you know, doesn't matter what we do on the first two downs, you know, we can run it to you on a third and short and convert nine out of 10 times. I think that's been very efficient. And I think Brian Dabble has schemed uh, a lot of short passes too that look really well too. This Giants team just looks productive, and one of the reasons they they did so well in that second half of the Packers game is they dominated clock, and I think they're going to be a clock dominating team who's going to be a threat in quarterback runs, quarterback passes, and running back runs.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good point. This year, Saquon Barkley, the running back for the Giants, he's looking like an MVP candidate. Absolutely. On 97 carries, he has 533 yards second in the league and on these 97 carries he's averaging 5.5 yards a carry overall he had 676 all-purpose yards with three touchdowns and zero turnovers you know for him he's really gonna carry the bulk of the work on offense but overall i feel like he can take that he's proven throughout these first few games that he's able to feel healthy and also he's able to stay on the field for all three downs and that's really a, a strike of confidence as a giants fan Because in these past two years, he hasn't looked like himself from his rookie season. But it looks like confidence-wise and playing-wise, he's back, which is great. Now, I I do think it's important to touch on the fact that the Giants' passing offense really hasn't evolved yet. It is a lot better than what we've seen from previous years. But just from the lack of wide receiver talent and the injury to Sterling Shepard, I feel like when it comes down to it, this team is not going to be able to pass to win games. However, yeah. as Alex said, if you do need, uh, you know, a second and long, and you need some yardage, or you need maybe, perhaps a third and medium, Brian Dable has the scheme to c- accomplish that, and there are a few decent pass catchers on this offense to do that. But I don't necessarily see this going into, you know, week seventeen, week eighteen, or the playoffs in crunch time. I don't see this offense passing all over you. They need to be in the lead, but you know. I, I, do, I do think that they have some
1: um, productivity. Yep. Uh, I think so far this season, everything has been going well for the Giants per se, uh, scheme-wise with Brian Dable. I think Brian Dable, uh, he's looking like coach of the year so far. I think out of the, first five, of the uh, first five games of the NFL season, I think you can point to him and say he's probably leading that category thus far just because the lack of talent he has in the passing game Uh, and Daniel Jones being a very questionable quarterback, uh, to have as your, you know, QB one, you know, they've, they've worked a lot of things out in New York to plan with this and it's just, it's looked pretty good so far. Uh, Daniel Jones right now at his current pace, he's looking like, he's looking like you don't really want to, that's not really the area you want to hit and replace, Uh, just because of how he's been in the rushing game and how he's been with the lack of wide receiver talent. Uh, The main thing addressing these Giants going forward is they need to establish a better passing game. But luckily for Giants fans, it's so far looking like this season that it's not the quarterback that needs to be replaced for uh, that to work out, and it's not the head coach that needs to be replaced for that to work out. Wide receiver is a lot more replaceable of a position uh, you know, highlighted in a trade like uh, the Vikings and uh, Bills trade, which sent Justin Jefferson, who was a first round pick, uh, to Minnesota, and it sent Stefan Diggs, who was an already re- established receiver, sent him to Buffalo, and they both are flourishing respectively in their states. But that that's just an example that shows how replaceable wide receivers are as a position, and that is really the the like main. Law in this Giants offense now. And once that gets plugged up, this team could be a serious contender, <coughs> assuming they play like how they've been playing these uh first five games. Uh and yeah, it looks like they may have a coach of the year candidate. Uh Daniel Jones, he looks he's looking like a solid system quarterback thus far, and that's without a lot of talent surrounding him, just good schemes. Uh and Saquon Barkley is looking like an Offensive Player of the Year favorite and an MVP candidate. Yeah, you love to see it.
0: I think the important question to raise here is if the Giants do end up having a positive above 500 record this year, what will their draft pick look like? Because I know a lot of people are still polarized on Daniel Jones here. But, you know, as you've stated, I do think that he could be the answer at quarterback as of right now with this scheme and if you surround him with more weapons could he possibly look like a Kirk Cousins type with a little bit more running efficiency yeah. would you take that if you're a giants fan you know would you rather have this team who looks like they could possibly be in a win now situation and go to the playoffs would you rather have a rookie quarterback or have your five year you know starting quarterback it raises the question if daniel jones looks half decent as he has you know what are you actually going to do if it ends up being the Giants have a mid-round pick? Probably not in a position to pick somebody like CJ Stroud in the you know early first round. Yeah. So, yeah. It is it is a question to raise, but as of right now in week six, we can't determine that. But right now, the Giants are looking good. Alex, would you like to introduce our next topic?
1: Yes, I would. Uh, our next topic is about Matt Rule, who is the first head coach fire so far this season. Uh, and... I'm going to start it off by saying, spoiler alert, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Their offense has been nothing but unproductive. Their quarterback situation has been terrible, and Matt Rule has played a significant role in both of them. Their defense has looked talented, but it's just not enough to bail out the offense. And, you know, once again, highlight on talented, because it doesn't really look schemed well either. This, This Panthers team is in; it's due for a... Complete revamping of the coaches, and I think there are a lot of coaching candidates they can look at at the end of the season. But I'm not really quite sure who they have currently plugged up in it. But I think the season is pretty much over for the Panthers, given that they even started with Matt Rule. I believe this is a dumpster fire of a team so far, and they made a first choice or they made a first good choice to move on from being a dumpster fire and get a serious rebuild going. I think the Matt Rule firing is necessary. Uh, He will be on the payroll for quite some time uh, due to his contract being terminated and it wasn't finished yet. Uh, But that is still, they're cutting their losses with him and I think that's a good decision.
0: Yeah. I do want to raise a question though. As you said, he will be on payroll for a long time. The Panthers front office signed him to a $62 million deal for seven years. So it's a, bit surprising to see that the Panthers would release him so early. I understand that he has not been able to, you know, really do much throughout the time that he's been in with the Panthers, but I still think it's a bit odd. If you, if you sign a guy to a seven-year deal, how are you not going to keep him for at least half that time? They kept him for about a season and a half, which is, although, I mean, it really didn't look very efficient. He was brought in as an offensive coach, but in 2021, the Panthers have a third worst offense averaging points a game, and they're last in the league in offensive yardage through week five and only averaging 18.7 points. However, I do think that this must mean that the Panthers absolutely have somebody in mind, perhaps um, Sean Payton, um, possibility, maybe, (laughs) maybe. I bring him back to the NFC uh, NFC South, but uh, I I do think they have to have somebody in mind if they're going to fire Matt Rule so early on on a seven-year deal because that's a big, like, hidden money that they're going to take over the next, you know, five
1: years. Makes you think, though, are they going to go for another college? Uh, Are they going to go for another college coach and, you know, go the Matt Rule route again? Or are they going to look at a fresh new coordinator to hire as uh, their head coach? We don't quite know yet, but uh, I'm not not saying that all college coaches aren't going to work out. Uh, It's just... In recent years, you know, actually looking at it now that I think about it, it's uh, it hasn't been too good for them. Cliff Kingsbury, uh, he was with Patrick Mahomes in college. They had a negative record. He got hired. Patrick Mahomes is now a star, and the Cardinals are a very uh, middle-of-the-pack team. Uh, once again, uh, Urban Meyer, I don't even think I need to address that situation. That was just terrible. Uh, and Matt Rule now joins the, the college coaches on the couch. Uh, maybe Cliff Kingsbury's next.
0: Yeah, no, I think that is that is very true about Cliff Kingsbury. But just to bring it up again, I think that the Panthers can look at bringing in a few select guys. I think it'll be hard to bring somebody like Sean Payton out of retirement, but I think if they pay him enough and also sell him on the fact that they have a lot of like offensive firepower around um, whoever they're going to put at quarterback, because I don't think the answer is Baker Mayfield, but they do have young rookie quarterback Matt Corral that they drafted in the second round, I believe. He's still there. He's a rookie from Ole Miss, pretty mobile, 6'2". Not the biggest arm in the world, but if you bring in anybody to develop your young quarterback, Sean Payne's one of the best people in the business to do that. Also adding on to that, there's Eric Bieniemy, who has been in contention to be a head coach hiring for the last three, four years with the Chiefs as their offensive coordinator. Um, I still think he's worth a job interview. I'd be surprised if they don't interview him for that, but uh, I I would say that the Panthers here, they need to have a plan going as of right now, and they probably already do, but it's vital to their organization and to their fan base and to pretty much the livelihood of their team that they get something going and they get, hopefully, a head start on the head coaches.
1: Yeah, I think uh, just to cap off the potential hire situation, Uh, The Panthers have a young, talented defense, and they also have a very talented wide receiver core. I think, uh, interestingly enough, they could go both the offensive-minded coach and the defensive-minded coach. Uh, They could go both of those ways uh, when looking for a new coach hire. So I think that also uh, gives them some leeway to decide who is going to be the best potential coaching hire, given that they have talent on both sides of the ball, and they have two different paths in which they could work on to uh, relabel their franchise.
0: Yeah, I do agree with that. Okay. Well, that's going to bring us into our third topic, and I'm going to be talking a little bit about college football, as I mentioned in the intro. I'll be talking about three huge matchups that happened this weekend between ranked opponents. First one, I think this is the headlining one. It was as it was in the 330 window. Everybody saw this one. Number three, Alabama at Tennessee, who is ranked number six, and Tennessee on their homecoming was able to come out with a 52-49 to victory.
1: It is hand and hooker
0: season, baby. It is hand and hooker season. he had five touchdown passes, 385 yards and he adds that with a 50 yard rushing performance. He looks really, really good this year and this Tennessee offense as well. they have playmakers, they have speed. This was an absolute shootout. This is usually what you see in a big 12 game, but I know I know we were all entertained to see this one and I think all of us were a little bit entertained to see Bama go down. And this is exactly what happened last year when Bama played Texas A&M and they lost to them. They played at, on the road against a you know athletic and also ball-dominant team that liked to run the ball, but also had a strong pass offense. And Bama, in big moments, then ended up struggling. The same thing happened to them against Auburn that year, so... We'll see how Bama moves throughout the, throughout the rest of the season, and we'll see if Tennessee can make it to the SEC championship with the road they're at right now. Now, next game, number seven, USC, played at Utah. This is in the 8 p.m. window if you're an East Coast fan. Um, this one is a little bit later, so I know not everybody saw this one, but Cam Rising, the quarterback for Utah, was able to make a comeback in the last minute of the game. It was 35-42. to 42. Cam Rising leaves the drive, a two-minute drill. And he's able to tie the game up, or he's able to take the lead and win the game. So he decides to go for a two-point conversion on the last play of the game, and they get it. They lead, amazing drive, and USC takes their first L of the year. Now, last game, this was a huge shootout. This was exactly what you expect Big 12 football to be, but it was Oklahoma State versus TCU. Um, number eight, I believe, Oklahoma State versus number 13 T- TCU. And it was a 43-40 to 40 win for TCU in overtime. Just a great game. And a lot of stuff happened this week in college football, one of the best weekends I've seen in a while, especially between ranked opponents. So we'll continue to keep on watching throughout the rest of the year, and especially when it comes to rivalry week, we will be on that.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I got I'm not a big college football guy, but I got to see a, a bit of those games. I think the the uh, Oklahoma State one, that's going to be interesting when it comes to playoff times because they were a big contender in that category. Same with the Alabama, Tennessee game. Uh, our next topic is the best division in the NFL. Me and Miles are going to introduce two divisions in the NFL and we're going to have a conversation to see which one's going to be or and we're going to have a conversation about which one we believe to be the better one. Uh, and my division that I chose was the AFC East. Uh, The reason why I chose this is because I believe they have two of the four best teams when healthy. I know we're starting to forget about how good the Dolphins were because they they didn't really have a quarterback for the past two games uh, with their first two quarterbacks being injured and Teddy Bridgewater and Tua Tungavailoa. But Tua Tungavailoa is cleared to be back, and I think they're still, uh, I, I don't, those two games don't really affect my judgment on how they'll do come playoff time. Uh, I'm still on board with them when they were 3-0. and uh, I think this is going to be a serious contender, and I believe they're contenders with the Bills for the division. Uh, that setback at quarterback kind of pushed them back, but I believe they're just a very elite division all around. The Buffalo Bills, they're looking nasty on both sides of the ball. Josh Allen is slinging it like usual. He's looking like an MVP candidate. Uh and also to talk about the Jets and Patriots, I don't think they really have a bad team in their division. The Jets have been playing really solid so far, uh, and I know some of their wins are kind of weak, but they had a really good win against the Browns, uh, and they're looking they're looking pretty solid. Uh, they're a three and two team right now. Patriots are two and three, but honestly, Patriots are one of the better teams with a negative record right now. They could very well reverse that and they can go positive above five hundred. Uh, I think this team is consistent, or I think this division is consistent throughout his four teams. And I think, I think it is very, a very talented division uh, that can have multiple teams come playoff time, possibly three.
0: Yeah. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I, I do agree obviously with the bills and the dolphins one when these teams are both healthy and firing on all cylinders. I do believe that they are two of the best teams in football. Um, Every single team in this division does have some clear and obvious flaws, though, I will say. The Bills, I feel like they lack a run game, and I honestly feel like they struggle playing in close games at times. They struggle not playing with a lead, and perhaps they rely on the big play a little bit too much, but they are still a great team. I trust Sean McDermott as their coach. The Dolphins, I mean, I do believe in Tua. He showed so much in those first three games to to give him, you know, the praise that he's receiving. And I think that the Dolphins are going to be a dangerous team with that offense and the Patriots, as long as you have Belichick, you know, you're going to be a competitive team and the Jets don't even look bad, especially with Zach Wilson back. They don't look bad. You know, I will say that they're definitely not as bad as they were last year and they have a pretty good wide receiver core. I like what their defense is doing with uh, um, their, with their uh, head coach Sala. I think that they're going to be a pretty decent team. So I, I do think that this is a solid division, um but we'll see come playoff time how strong they actually are now my t- my division is a little bit of a shocker i would say going into this year i believe most people would say this is probably the worst division in football however the records speak for themselves the nfc east is looking quite strong this year eagles are 5 and 0 the cowboys are 4 and 1 the giants are 4 and 1 and the commanders suck but but that's pretty much the afc's version of the jets so I would say these top three teams are looking very, very uh, strong this year, especially pointing out the Cowboys are 4-1 and one with a backup quarterback. The Eagles look dominant in every single one of their games this year so far. And the Giants are out to a strong start as well. So I would like to put forward the argument that the NFC East is actually the strongest division right now.
1: I think the NFC East have the best cumulative of three teams in the nfl so i think if you picked three teams to represent the division uh the nfc east would take that category my only concern is the washington commanders and i had i had the nfc east as my number two division so i was really kind of tempted to pick them but i think the washington commanders are probably the worst nfl team in the league i believe they're bad at quarterback uh their running back situation it's not terrible their own line it took a lot of damage in the free agency, losing Brandon Sheriff at guard, very valuable piece. Uh, that O-line has sucked. I think Carson Wentz got sacked nine times one game this season. And their defense wasn't the same defense we thought it was going to be two years ago. I think they might be picking number one this season, and that is the reason I'm not picking the NFC East. How about the Giants and the Eagles and the Cowboys? Those are three. Div- those are three teams that are probably gonna. Uh, well, the only thing that's really gonna get in their playoffs is if they dramatically change, or get in the way of them making the playoffs, is if they dramatically change pace uh, and don't play like they are, or if they just lose too many games against uh, each other in the division. Three very talented teams. I think the outliers, the Commanders. Uh, I think that's also what strengthens the AFC East too much. I don't think they have a team that you can paint as obviously below average. Uh, the Bills and the 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 Bills and the Dolphins are Super Bowl contenders. I think the Patriots and the Jets could potentially be playoff uh, contenders, although you can make the argument that they're both kind of average so far this season. But I think there's a scenario where both of them can make the playoffs, and I don't think that's too far-fetched given what they've shown so far this season. Uh and yeah i think that division just breeds consistency and i think yeah they have their concerns but i think they also have their extreme talents uh, i think the best wide receiver group in the nfl belongs to the uh, dolphins i think the best quarterback in the nfl very strong case you can put it to the bills uh i think the best i think One of the best young teams in the NFL, you can put it to the Jets. I think the Patriots, they have a very good defense, or they have a very good secondary, despite losing a lot in that area. So I think their team, they breed consistency, and I think each and every team has an identity. The commanders don't really have an identity.
0: That is true. I do believe, especially after watching... Um, watching Thursday Night Football, watching the Commanders play the Bears—that was one of the worst matchups I think I've ever seen. The highlight of that game was Carson Wentz fucking Roquan on, yeah, on a on a run play. So when that's your main highlight of the game, the score is 12 to seven, I believe, was the final score. That is awful yep. football, right there. Those might be the two worst teams of the NFL, <laughs> which, is, that, which is really sad to say. That
1: first half of that game was the hardest half of football, I think. I think someone could watch. The second half yeah. got a bit better, uh, and
0: it was interesting boys. said. Oh, God, my gosh, man, yeah. Man. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I do believe there's no answer here for the Commanders. They are going to be a top-five pick without a doubt. Um, but to defend the Eagles and the Giants a little bit, they both have the strongest running games in the NFL, in my opinion, right now. They yeah. have dual-threat quarterbacks. Um, they have, I would say, serviceable running backs for the Eagles and electrifying running backs for the Giants. The Cowboys do have potential to be a strong running offense. However, they're mostly benefiting from the short passing game and good yard-after-catch receivers, along with a strong defense. And all three of these teams actually have a strong, relatively strong defense. The Eagles have looked a little bit suspect at times, but the Giants and the Cowboys have been holding strong so far. Um, The Cowboys, when they played the Giants, had, I believe, 22 pressures on the Giants um, with their pass rush from guys like Micah Parsons. The Eagles, when they play the Commanders, had maybe double-digit sacks, if I'm not mistaken, which is, again, a testament to how poor these offensive lines are at times, but also just a show of how strong these defenses are. And I think that these three teams can all go on a wild-card playoff run and perhaps get to the Divisional. Um, but I will say that I don't think I see any of them being in Super Bowl convention, besides maybe the Eagles if their run game stays strong. Um, but I do think there has to be something said for how strong a team could be if all three of their all three of their uh, third place, first place, and second place finishers can probably win a wild card playoff game. That shows how strong they are. And in the AFC East, I only really realistically will, really realistically see the the Bills and maybe the Dolphins doing that. I don't see that happening for the bottom two teams.
1: That is fair. Uh, I think the AFC East they have more teams that can make the playoffs. Uh but I think the NFCs they got more teams that can win a playoff game uh, and then the AFC East also has more teams that can contend for a Super Bowl uh but overall, I think the this debate necessarily just uh I think it goes on how much you value making the playoffs uh it, it, it revolves around three things: how much you value making the playoffs, how much you value winning a playoff game, and how much you value uh, an outlier team that you know, it kind of stinks up what the other three are doing. Uh, overall, I think the rushing game in the NFC East is still very good. Uh, I think that's probably been the one the one highlight for the Commanders so far this season is they have had a half-decent rushing game. Uh, you know, obviously, the Eagles have a very good rushing game. Their O-line is very good in the run blocking. Uh, and, you know, they have solid serviceable backs. Uh, Giants, they just have talent in the rushing category in the backfield. Uh and Cowboys, they have a great one two punch. So I, I see that uh they certainly have a way to win these playoff games, which you can't really point to the Jets and the Patriots. Uh so I can I can give you that point, but nonetheless, I think the consistency in the AFC East puts them above every other division in the NFL. And then our next topic are the three best storylines for week six. Miles, would you like to start us off for that?
0: Sure. So we're just going to be looking at some key matchups going into week six and perhaps making a little bit of a prediction on them. First, I want to talk about the Jags versus the Colts. This is a key matchup for the AFC South. Plus, Uh, the major storyline here is can the Colts snap a losing streak versus the Jags? Uh, Throughout the past, I would say, these past three seasons, the the Colts have looked very poor against the Jags. It's almost just like some sort of curse that happens to them. But especially in these last two matchups, it's been absolutely pitiful on part of the Colts. First last year, the Colts had to win the Jags, who had only won two games at that point. And if they beat them, they would go into the playoffs as a wildcard team. But the Jags blew them out in the last game of the season, and the Colts did not make the playoffs. Then earlier this year, the Jags absolutely dominated the Colts in London. And the Colts honestly looked just awful on offense. They could not stop the Jags on defense. It was an overall bad, bad performance. So here, can the Colts get their revenge and also get a win in the AFC South?
1: yeah, one of the more embarrassing streaks in the NFL is uh, the Colts losing streaks to the jag to the Jags. And it's been especially embarrassing because of how bad the Jags had been uh, in previous seasons. I believe two of their uh, their only two wins last season <laughs> were oh no, they had they had three wins last season, but two of their three wins last season were against the Colts. Uh, and that just goes to show how ridiculous the stat is. That certainly would be a good game to peep, and I would love to see the Colts snap that streak. Seems very interesting. My number one storyline is tuatunga Bailoa being cleared to play again. Now, the the, the tuatunga Bailoa situation has been one of the more controversial situations in the NFL. Uh, It's been very weird how he had two potential concussions within four days and he was cleared for the second one despite leaving before halftime uh in the game against the bills where he got his first concussion uh and mike mcdaniel is he told press uh, a few days ago that Tua vailoa would be cleared to play in week six and he is 100 percent playing so the dolphins seem to be confident about how about how uh two is ready again despite those two traumatic uh brain injuries that could possibly, you know, hinder him in the long run, not just in football, but in life in general, you know, CTE is a big thing in football. And I think Tua Tungabalola returning so early is a bit concerning and it's a bit controversial. But if he is truly healthy, that is a sigh of relief for Dolphins fans. Yeah, I do
0: think there has to be something said about Tua just being a competitor and possibly just questionable management by this Dolphins, you know, First of all, front office, but also by just the medical staff, perhaps in general. I think that, too, is a competitor, so he's going to instantly want to get back into the game. I think that's what happened against the Bills. Um, and perhaps he's rushing, you know, the process because realistically, he's not fully recovered from that concussion, even if he's passed through the weekly concussion protocol that the NFL usually does. You don't actually release, like, you know, heal from a concussion that Quickly, especially one that leaves you passed out and basically needing to be rushed to a hospital. I don't think you recover from that in a week. I think the two will play fine. He'll play like himself, and the Dolphins will be good. But I do think it is something to watch throughout the rest of the season and throughout the rest of his career. Um, I'm going to be talking about for my second game is the Broncos versus the Chargers, and although going into this year, this would have been one of the marquee matchups. This right now looks like a one-sided affair. The Chargers should dominate this game. However, it is always interesting to at least pose, is this going to be the week that the Broncos finally show up? The Broncos are finally going to show what you know what they're capable of, their offense, their defense. Is everybody going to come to play? Um, we've been waiting on that throughout the first five weeks, and it has not happened to say the least. It has been the complete opposite. So... You know, the question is here, will the Broncos finally get it going, and especially in a game in the AFC West where they need to win head-to-head, are they going to show up big, and is Russell Wilson going to cook? My prediction is going to be that they will not, and the Chargers will win this game confidently, but it is important to note that it could pop in. Yeah, this is a very
1: important game for uh, Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson. I think they've just been criticized constantly. Uh, and if there is a time to break it, and there is a time to prove everyone wrong, I think it's against the division rival during prime time. Uh, they've had opportunities in prime time again, and they've been famously ridiculed for getting so many prime time games, but you know, still being terrible and all the games being extremely hard to watch, despite the NFL moving them to the uh, night games. But yeah, overall, those those games are going to be, or that game's going to be pretty interesting, and seeing Russell Wilson. Uh, be criticized for just being bad recently, and Geno Smith being praised for being good. Uh, it's an interesting turn of events. So I think Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson has been so criticized. Uh, he's being like heavily criticized, and I think this is the time for him to prove people wrong uh, on a Monday Night Football where he's extra time to prepare. Uh, I think that would be a very interesting thing to see. And for my second storyline for Week Six, I have. Dallas versus Philly. I think this is a very high-stakes game. Whoever wins this game, they jump ahead the other one in the rankings of the NFC East, which is one of the best divisions in football. Uh, and, yeah, it's just a very elite division. I think taking the tides early would be important. Uh, these are two games as, or two teams, as we mentioned earlier, who have very strong rushing identities. Uh, and two coaches who are pretty offensive-minded, Brian Dable and Nick Sirianni, Overall, I think it's going to be a very interesting match, uh, and I think if the Giants win this one, uh, this can do a lot of good things for people like Daniel Jones and a lot of good things for people like Brian Dable because Brian Dable would be a very strong Coach of the Year candidate. Daniel Jones would be, you know, the only un- only uh, team in the NFL who hasn't uh, who hasn't lost yet, and he'd give them their first loss, which would, you know, kind of help secure his QB position. Mm-hmm. And uh, this could be a very strong game where Saquon could win offensive player or could push his offensive player of the year case uh, so far because this is a very strong rushing defense. The Giants have a lot to win. The Eagles have a lot to secure. They want to secure their number one spot against the Giants, which are creeping up on them with a 4-1 and one record. Overall, very high-stakes game. we would love to see how this goes.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Eagles are, I believe, the last undefeated team in football right now. So. It's a question every single week, who are they going to fall to? And it'd be very, very interesting if they fall to a divisional rival. And both these teams have very similar offensive identities with the way they want to pound the football. So it'll be pretty much a trench warfare game. It'll come down to the last moment, I think. And it's going to come down to who wants it more, pretty much. Um, Now, uh, I'm going to be moving into my last team that I want to highlight. And that is also another AFC East, sorry AFC West team versus an AFC East team. This is the best in the AFC showdown. It's the Bills versus the Chiefs. And this game, oh, we have so many memories from this game. This exact matchup in the playoffs. We have, obviously, the 13-second game, the comeback of a lifetime from the Chiefs to send that game into overtime and eventually win it. Then we have, you know matchups throughout regular season and then just in general a lot a lot of high caliber football. This game is going to be a matchup of the I believe the AFC Championship and we're going to see it early on. Now, when it comes to this game, I do think that one thing is going to be evident is that the Bills are going to show that they cannot run the football. This game early on is not going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be a very close game with low scoring. I think it's going to show up to be a huge, huge shootout in the third and fourth quarters, but don't be surprised if you see this game 10-10, maybe 13-7 in the second quarter. I don't think that this is going to be an extremely high-scoring affair early on because both these teams are going to be figuring each other out, but in the second half, expect
1: some fireworks. Absolutely. I think that's a pretty second half, uh, uh, a pretty big second half game, and just overall going to be a good QB matchup and just a very talented, very talented, talented act game. Uh, those are possibly the two best teams in the NFO and seeing them face off would be very interesting, especially this early on. Uh, for my game, I also have a game that I believe is going to be very second-half heavy, and that is the New York Giants versus the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I think this is going to be a very interesting game just because how good the New York Giants have been at securing games and how stable they've been in the fourth quarter and how unstable the Ravens have been in the fourth quarter. The Ravens have blown multiple leads uh, in the fourth quarter to the Dolphins and the Bills, two teams that would have been very good to beat and would have moved them up a lot in the rankings and those are their only two losses so far this season. The Giants have only one loss this season and they're coming off of a really good game in Green Bay in which they didn't show up too much in the first half and they were outperformed but they completely outperformed the Packers in the second half and they took control of the game I think this Giants is a very heavy second half team and I think they're very good at controlling the clock uh, which is something that's going to be very serviceable against the Ravens too and I think if they want to take advantage of the second half this is certainly a team to do it right now the Ravens are they they are the projected winners uh, by five and a half points I think the Giants cut that, and I think the Giants beat them this game. It's going to be very interesting, and I think that's going to be a very big storyline.
0: Yeah, I also think that this would be an interesting game for Lamar Jackson. He's also an MVP frontrunner right now. I think that he's been perhaps the most, I would say, one of the most impressive uh, leaders of this NFL campaign so far. It's a bit reminiscent of the way Russell Wilson played in the past two seasons, where in the first six weeks, he looks like an MVP candidate, and then Russell Wilson tends to drop off a little bit. Obviously, that is not the case this year, but if he's talking Lamar Jackson's case, that will be a question whether he can keep up this pace. I would say he will not be able to do that, just because of how ridiculous his numbers were. He was putting up the most rushing guards in the NFL, along with great passing stats, but I do think that Lamar can still put on a show on this Giants defense.
1: Yeah, I think this would be a very strong case for him to build his MVP. Uh, or this would be a very strong game for him to build his MVP case. Uh, currently, they're favored by five points. If Lamar, uh, or Currently, they're only projected to score 25 points. I think you could very well see this being a high-scoring game if Lamar takes it to uh, the route he's been taking other games too. Uh, especially like that Dolphins game where he played such a dynamic offense and he was a dynamic offense. That game was pretty high-scoring, and I can see this game possibly being a shootout. But what matters is the fourth quarter for this game. Can Lamar get it done in the fourth quarter? Uh, He has been underperforming in that recently, but he's been a very good first-half quarterback and a very good quarterback in general. If he can secure this in the fourth quarter, I think he could shush a lot of haters doing that.
0: Yeah, and... I believe. Uh, do you have one more topic? Do you have one more topic to talk about, Alex, with the with the storylines, or is this going to be the last one?
1: Uh, this is the last topic uh, for this episode. That All right. Well, that concludes yeah. our uh, episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I was Alex out.